Thanks for listening to DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how's it going? It's going pretty darn good, Russ. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's uh, <laughs> it, it, really a lot of my mood these days depends on which season it is and not because of like, you know, the sun or the rain or whatever. It's it's because of the the various sports that my son plays in, oh, in high school. Right, right. So you know, we went through uh, we went through uh, cross country, yep, which was great, yep. a lot of fun. And we went through soccer, a um, little difficult because for some reason they've moved it. Oh, and by the way, we're in track now, but uh, soccer in the winter. Why did they do that? Well, because they just want to watch that soccer ball splash around the field because we had so much rain this winter that all the games were just underwater. Yeah, it was crazy. Like I, I, I had told you, I think we did uh, one of the podcast recordings right before I was going to one of the games and it was like, I'm just going to sit in my car. Fortunately, the field is like within view because I am not going to sit out there and freeze in the rain all wet and watching a game. It was just it was awful. I, I, I wish I'm, I'm using this now as a platform, Greg, to, to, to try to get this like in the fall. Get in the fall. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a cross country question for you because really? I've never okay. watched a cross country match before, but if I remember back my high school days, my friends that were in cross country, they're running all over through the streets and through, you know, different tra- mm-hmm. trails and stuff like that. How, as a parent, do you watch cross country? You move a lot. So actually, so we actually, I was out near, near you, uh, yeah. out in, um, uh, Hayward, actually, there was sort of, you know, getting close to you, uh, yeah. getting closer to you at least. Uh, but they did a, a match out there or a, a race out there and it was, you go to one spot and then you watch and they all run by and then you go to another spot and then you, <laughs> so we were like doing this like triangle in the different areas where you could actually see them. And, um, you know, fortunately it wasn't the first race cause the first set of you know people watching had no idea what to do, but like, we were like the third or fourth race or something. So, uh, you know, we sort of like, Oh, that's a good spot. Let's, you know, so you, you, you gotta figure out those and you're not standing in one spot at, at any time. You're mostly actually walking to the next spot, cheer for them for the 10 seconds that they pass by you. And my son's really fast. So it's like, you know, you see the flash go by real quick and then, okay, next, you know, next spot. So, so I have a really, not much actually seeing them. I have a really cute story. My daughter, when she was young, like young, like five years old, right? Mm-hmm. And she thought she was really fast, and she would run, and she'd run, and then she'd come back to us, and she goes, "Could you even see me? Was I just a blur?" <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> it you know it's funny though, like. uh the speed, like, so were you fast as well? I was actually a very fast sprinter, but I did not have good endurance for the cross country and long distance races, but I was good in the sprints. Okay. So I, I, me, no, I was not, I was not the fastest. I was actually, I was fast on my bike. I don't yeah, know if that yeah, counts. There you go. I was, I was fast there, but not, not fast in running. My wife did that. And so <laughs> Actually, at one of the last soccer games, the coach came up to me and because, and, and, you know, Justin's running back and forth. My son is running back and forth and, uh, you know, just so much. And he comes up to me, man, he gets his running from from uh, from your wife there. Huh? You can see where those jeans come from and made the joke. And I go, you know what? It's funny because it's true. <laughs> He's not getting any of this for me. 
he's not laughing uh, at you. He's laughing with you. Exactly. Right. He's laughing with yeah. me. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, the speed is picking up with the, uh, with the pickleball. So there's that. Uh, that's <laughs> well, I mention that, Greg. It's funny because in a previous pickleball episode, uh, Third Shot Podcast, if you haven't listened mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. show yet, uh, I was telling everybody that I'm working on short sprints to get me ready right. for pickleball tournaments right. because that's kind of what you're doing. It's like you're not running, you know, 50 yards, 100 yards. You're really just doing like 10 feet, 15 feet at a spurts. But you have mm-hmm. to be able to move really quickly. So uh, that has been my training recently to kind of get my yeah. body ready. And in that epi- same episode, I revealed that I've got now a walking pad, like a treadmill thing underneath my desk so that during meetings, like I'm walking, like I walk like two hours in a day. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's it's great. So, you know, I, I just feel like in the meetings, it brings me so much. It's like, you know, so much of everything, right, is just about where your headspace is. And like doing this little walking thing, like, man, I'm, I'm in such a like pumped up mood and I'm coming up with good ideas and at least I think they're good ideas, uh, but I'm coming up with ideas, we'll say, <laughs> and, and, and doing that, thinking a little bit faster because of uh, the whole walking thing. It's, well, it's, it's really cool. If you were a client of mine or you were a potential client of mine and I found out that you had this little treadmill walking pad under your desk while we were talking on the phone, I immediately would go to my CRM and make that note because exactly. at some point <laughs> – <laughs> that is going to come in very useful for the exactly. relationship. And that's the whole thing. The whole active listening when you're talking to a client like that and you write those things down and you mention it like six months later. I did that to, to a client one time. I mentioned one little thing. I can't, I, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. Of course, at the top of my head, but I mentioned it years later because I typed it into the CRM and they were like so impressed. But there's no way I could have remembered it. I can't remember it now without the CRM, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the whole like, sales like organization, right? Like that's where you and I, like, you know, you've got that like super sales guy, like you could, you could sell anything, uh, is, is what I will say. And you, you know, you, you train salespeople to level them up. You, you, and then I'm like behind the scenes, like making these crazy systems to make it all like hopefully work out so we could actually provide the service that you're selling. Right. <laughs> At least that's what we did for 14 years or so there. And, and it's like, if we could only find a guest that can combine those two topics together, right? Like that would be the greatest show of DIY for business ever, I, I would think. Well, guess what? We're going to have the greatest show of DIY ever. Oh my God, Greg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Liz, how was that for a setup for you, right? That like was we really. so fun. That was a great setup. We really built that up for you because we're excited about this. I mean, so uh, Liz, to have you on the show to talk about sales and then also like the systems and the CRM behind it, like this is exciting for both of us because you're combining both of our skills. So I'll let you kind of introduce yourself here and, 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 and tell people what you do. Thanks. I'm Liz Hyman and I'm a sales consultant, but really what I do is I take the chaos out of sales. So a lot of organizations, they don't really understand that you need process and systems. So they keep hiring. We need more sales. Let's add another person and add another person and add a sales manager and add some more people. And all they're doing is creating chaos upon chaos upon chaos and wondering why are they not getting the result they want? So what what I'm really focused on is helping organizations figure out how do you keep the amount of chaos down and and get your scale, your sales organization so you can scale it, you can grow it, so you can hit your numbers and, and you can 
predict and manage and do all those things. Mm-hmm. Wish we could do with sales, but we're having a really hard time with. So that's what I do. Because that chaos is so expensive. And people don't really realize that. Like, I, I wish there was just a KPI for that, like chaos number, you know, that, that like translates directly into money because you are bleeding money when there's mm-hmm. chaos like that. And you're not like having like, you know, good systems. That's why I get so passionate about like building systems and and making sure that a CRM works. I When I see somebody and I've got this like, you know, like, you know, logs and whatnot, like Greg said, oh, it'd be great to put the the, the treadmill in there. I would put that in there. Like he's got that insight and to put that in there, like a lot of people don't. So it's, it's one of those tough things. How do you get salespeople? Like, like how do you get them to actually level up to do that, to make sure that they're utilizing that and they see the power of, of those systems? So the very first thing is to create a CRM that works for them. Okay. Okay. So okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I, I have several clients that I'm in the middle of working with right now who their CRM was not set up for sales. Mm. One of them, their CRM was set up, they set the CRM up so that they could have cases to solve problems and they're handling opportunities like cases. I have another one, they set the CRM up totally around the needs of of the um, billing organization. And so it doesn't have all the things that it needs for sales and it's not set up so that they can do things like, oh, we've got distributors, we need distributor account so that we can manage all the people in there and have all the data and all the notes and like, no, well, we don't really have a way to do that is what they tell me. Or, you know, I, I mean, I could go on and on, but if you want your sales team to use sale, the CRM, then the first thing is to understand that the CRM is designed to help sales sell, to help them be efficient, <laughs> to help them be successful and everything else comes second. And that's how you get them to start using it. You create one that makes their life easy, not hard. So what features would you look for in a CRM specifically to help the sales team? So, well, the, I'm going to say my very first one, and I, you guys don't know my sister, Alice, but we're both sales consultants. And this is our mantra, make the CRM so that the salespeople can say it and it goes in. Move that from this stage to that stage. This client is going to order this product at this price, right? Can you imagine if they could speak and it populated their CRM? I bet they'd be using it every single day. Oh yeah, right? Yeah. But nobody mm-hmm. builds on that way. So the next question is not what are the features that the CRM needs to have? It's it's how do you set up the CRM? So you can set up any CRM so it's functional or you can set it up so it's absolutely dysfunctional. So things like, where am I tracking the progress of an opportunity? Am I, pra- am I trying to track it in the contact or am I actually creating a lead or an opportunity where I'm tracking the progress? Well, if you confuse things, if you add the wrong things to the wrong places, if you're measuring the wrong things in the contact instead of in the account, like all of these things create chaos. If you put everybody else's stuff you know, mixed in with what the salespeople are supposed to be filling out, All of these things are creating chaos and frustration. So the very first thing is to think about how does your sales organization work? What's your sales process? And how do you now map your CRM to your sales process, not make your sales process cram into your CRM? And that's how you get salespeople to use it, because now it's designed to help them do their job better. And they like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be fast. It's got to be well designed. Like the the user experience is I think so often overlooked. Uh and if you don't have 
like a great interface that's like really easy for them to just pick up and just like, oh, I'm going to press a button. Like I, I once did a database for, for sales. It, <laughs> and this wasn't an excuse for me to get McDonald's, but I went to McDonald's and looked at their touchscreen because I'm like, they've spent billions of dollars probably on this interface. Like I want to replicate this interface. And I went there and I played around with the interface. And of course I, you know, got, got breakfast, but um, I played around with the interface and I sort of mimicked a lot of that in my um, database where it was all push button. And it's, it made it where, oh, I made a phone call. It was an outbound phone call. It lasted this long. Uh, this was the result. This was, the, and it was all just touch screen interface. And for the first time, we actually had salespeople entering in information at that particular place. It was crazy. Right? So it's it's funny how how much that is, uh, you know, comes into play. the The question I have there is about the software and the cost behind that. Um, but unfortunately, speaking of cost, uh, we've we've got to pay some of the bills here. We got to actually uh, head to break here. We're going to take just a couple of minutes away. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation and we'll get that question answered and figured out maybe which software you should be using and how you could make your sales people perform better. We'll do that after this. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Oh, yeah. And reviewing DIY for business, a part of the best business network. Greg always likes to say, you know, there's no star like a five star. Actually, he's never said that, but I think that that works, right? (laughs) You know, what's funny, Russ, is one of my favorite bowling balls growing up as a young child was the five star. I remember that. I forgot about that. I think I had a five star, or at least would use a five star yeah. at, the, at the bowling. So game. it's gone full circle in my life. I wanted the five star as a young boy bowling, <laughs> and now I want a five star review from all of our podcast listeners. Exactly, exactly. So whatever platform you're listening on, please go do that and, and make sure you hit that subscribe or plus or whatever button that's there. Uh, I, I say that because. There's such a problem. There's so many different interfaces that people are listening to us on, right? Like, and I was just talking about interface with uh, the sales thing. Like, it's really like important to have like an easy way to enter in information so that the sales folks actually do it. Unfortunately, a lot of times that can be expensive. So let's talk about some of those ways of attaining this for a smaller company. Like, what do you do? Like, I mean, I've seen people that are just using paper and files. <laughs> that's, okay. that's the bad way to do it. How do you do this in, in, in a affordable way? So paper's bad. And, yes. and, uh, and sticky <laughs> notes all over your computer, not, not sustainable. So let's right. not do that. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing a bunch of sticky room. notes, but uh, I don't have any sticky notes at my desk. If I feel like writing, it has to go in my notebook so it doesn't disappear. But right. um, I I only have sticky notes till the end of the day. The end yeah. of the day, those go in and they go in the trash. So uh, that's the, that. I do have that rule. I just the, the sometimes the system's not fast enough for me to put it in. So right. <laughs> the two of you are killing my opportunity to sell 3M as a sales opportunity here. So please <laughs> stop on the sticky notes. <laughs> well, let's let's see what software she recommends. Well, this might uh, this might kill a few other possible sponsors. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm not even going to recommend a software. Here's what I'm going to okay. say. The, the first thing is to think about what is your sales process? How long is your sales cycle? The, the complexity of your CRM 
is determined by the complexity of your sale. So if you go through a sale in an hour, okay, then you need one kind of CRM. If if your sale includes 25 people over two years and a million callbacks and appointments, then you need a a different kind of setup. So so there's two things that we want to think about when, when we're figuring out which tool to use and how to use it. One is, what is the sales process? And the other thing is, what do I need to see? What reports, what dashboards do I need to see to run the organization or as a seller to be effective in the organization? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. two things determine how you set up your CRM. So that's, that's the setup is more important than the actual tool. So if I were going to talk about tools, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the ultimate, ultimate no-no and say, don't start with Salesforce. Just don't start there. And here's the reason. It's a very complicated tool. It's a very expensive tool. It does amazing things when you take all of the interfaces that are out there. I mean, there are thousands of co- or hundreds of companies that are, you know, you can do things through your Salesforce with. But if you don't know how you want your CRM to work and you don't know what reporting you want yet, then do it someplace less expensive and less complicated. So how do you pick a tool? Well, there are tons of tools. HubSpot, a lot of people are using HubSpot right now because it's free for this beginning. Mm, right. right. New company trying to figure this out? That's not a bad place to start. Um, I don't love the interface. So for me, as a very graphic person, like I like visuals. I like colors. I The way that HubSpot is set up for me as a seller the important information is over on the left. It's not in the center where I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And for me, mm-hmm. the, that interface is uncomfortable, but it does everything you could need it to do. It's easy to set up. It's easy to manage. It's easy to use. Um, if you use, if you're really a team that's Google-based, um, Copper is set up specifically to work with Google tools. It's also a very simple tool, very easy to organize, very easy to set up. Um, uh, pipe drive, I think is the other one that people really love. It's simple to set up. It's easy to use. Um, sugar is another one. It's very simple. It's a very simple tool. It's not terribly expensive. It's not terribly complicated. You can probably set it up yourself. You might need a little help if you get complicated. Um, I use Zoho and I love their interface. I love that tool. Now, I have to be honest, there, there's a whole Zoho suite and some of the tools I want to scream every time I try to use them. <laughs> I love. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Zoho user myself. Uh, that's a CRM that I use for my company. And when I was you know, working with my team to set it up the way I wanted to set up for my sales organization, one of my biggest pet peeves, and we had a real challenge with this, is I wanted to be able to find certain information quickly. Like if I'm on a call, I want to be able to access any piece of information that I've gathered up to that point or be able to log a new piece of information. And what, in the beginning at least, Zoho was just so deep with fields that I couldn't find what I was looking for. So, you know, how do you work with your uh, your clients to organize, to make the information accessible quickly? So. One of the first things you do when you get a CRM, you're not going to believe us. The first thing you do is get rid of all the fields you don't need. Hide them. Make them go away. If you don't need it, don't have it. it just because it asks you what, what currency you're working in, if you always work in dollars, 
Get rid of it. You don't need it. So go through and look at what some of the fields and some of the CRMs you can't get rid of. But a lot of them you can, or at least you can hide them or you can put them all the way at the bottom. So rearrange it so that what's important to you, what you use every day is what's visible and available and get rid of everything else. Don't, don't dilute what's important with the nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And it's sometimes a struggle because I'm building, you know, I'll sometimes build an interface for somebody you have different people wanting different things. So like, okay, you, you as the advisor saying delete this field, but like the owner of the company may say, no, I want this field or I want these fields. And they just, they, maybe they don't make sense to, to gather that information or, or it's going to be impossible for the salespeople to gather that information. How do you decide on, on, on what fields to show show in that layout, especially when you've got competing interests in the company? Yeah. Show me where that's important in a report. Tell me how you're going to use that data. You say you want it. How are you actually going to use it? And if it's on there, how accurate is it going to be? So you want to know how many, you want to know the number of people in the, in the company, let's say. Great. Pull the information from, from uh, LinkedIn and it's moderately accurate yeah right so you're going to base your what are you going to base on that moderately accurate information so i think that the when we when we start talking to the owners of the company or to or to finance or to production and we really ask them what really matters what are you tracking what are you measuring because often the stuff that's most important to measure isn't anywhere in the CRM. And we've got all these other fields that nobody ever looks at. So right. You can't show me where, how, one, where you want that in a report, how you're going to track it and what you're going to do with it. Three, don't put it in there. Just stone. But meanwhile, yeah. you know, I have other clients that have CRMs. They haven't segmented the industry of the, of the companies that they're working with. Well, why does that matter? Well, if you want marketing to do campaigns for you to certain industries, if you haven't segmented, they can't do it. All they can do is send out, or I have another client who has no titles in their CRM. <laughs> so, and these things happen really in weird ways because data gets transferred or moved or whatever. Right. But let's think about what we're doing with this data. Is marketing going to use it? Is somebody going to call those people? And if somebody's going to call those people, it'd be nice to know what their title is so I know what to talk to them about, right? All of the mm-hmm. things matter. Yeah. So you've mentioned marketing a couple of times just recently in this conversation. And I'm wondering when you're building these CRMs for a sales team, you got your marketing team, you got your finance team, are you building different layouts for each department based on what they use uh, and what they need to do their function? Yes and no. It depends on how the CRM is set up. So I always start, like if we can order it so that the top of the CRM has the most important things that the sales team needs to function, um, then we can start to think about what needs to go after that. Um, We have to be really careful though, because when you start bringing in everybody else's needs, you start to get a lot of mess. So who's going to fill that out? Is the salesperson supposed to fill this out? If the salesperson's supposed to fill it out, put it in the top module with the fields that the salesperson's supposed to fill out. If marketing, if it needs to come from marketing or marketing fills it out, put it in that module. If it's about finance, then put it in that module. Don't, don't cram it, mix it all up together. But I will say when it comes to marketing, there is one thing that is really important. 
And that is we often track the source of a lead through the contact. So as a lead, it, it, we track it and then it becomes a contact and we track it and then it becomes an opportunity or a company and th- that lead source data goes away. So now as a company and even as a salesperson, how do I look back and go, yeah, all of these leads came from this event. I want to go back. We have no idea what, what happened because we don't know what closed or didn't because we didn't track it all the way through. So those are the things what I'm talking about what are you tracking? What are you watching? What are you measuring? That's the stuff that needs to be in there. Yeah, totally. I, I've uh, I've seen that, you know, and I've I've seen that with you know it, it, with data like moving systems or you know like you're going from let's say somebody's going from Zoho to, to Salesforce, so much stuff could get lost, like so you know so much information, and it's like I've just always been a big fan of don't delete anything, <laughs> you know, like leave it there if you can. Um, because you don't know if you're going to use it or not. You can hide it. You can, you can put it it to the side, but like, don't delete it. Like, don't be destructive about the data because you never know when you're going to need it at at, at a certain point. Um, I've, I've just got to throw in, you know, because I'm the, you know, director of marketing over at uh, Beeswax who builds a a ton of uh, databases specifically in FileMaker. I got to throw FileMaker in there. Have you ever used FileMaker? I haven't. Oh, Claris FileMaker. There you go. There's another option for you. I, I, you should check it out. It's amazing. <laughs> See, I've got to throw in my marketing and sales skills right there. Right now I can, uh, I can sell, uh, I can sell FileMaker. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Let's get them as a sponsor. There you go. Now you're doing me a favor. I'm going to put that in the CRM. Exactly. So, so FileMaker is one of the things that we work with, but we work with a lot of different um, uh, technologies. And one of the things that makes it difficult about being a director of marketing at a company like that is the technology is always changing. So I'm always having to learn about these new things that are coming out that are on the cusp. Um, and then, you know, like now, okay, we're going to start, we've got a team that's going to start building this project down or whatever. Um, so how, when you're selecting these, how do you sort of future proof your, your CRM, not just the, the data and getting the right fields and the reports, but how do you start to future proof this so that as your company grows, the CRM and, and, and the processes and everything that you've created grows along with you? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a complicated question. I don't have a simple answer, but, the, but the first thing is you, you can't, right? Because we keep thinking we know where things are going and they go someplace completely different. Right. So right. We no idea. Mm-hmm. So we get ideas and we can try to envision where we think we're going to be. You know, you guys were talking about this in one of your other podcasts um, the other day that, you know, you don't know for sure what's going to happen. So you, you go, okay, well, we have 25 people now we have 50 people. Now we're going to have a thousand people. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do I, how do I imagine that? And I can also start imagining, well, um, are we going to start selling to more complex um, organizations? Are we going to start selling more simple products? Are we like, so we can start to think about the vision of our company. What's our vision? Where are we going? How are we growing? What areas are we growing? And I do that with my clients where we talk about those things. And then we actually talk about the sales strategy. How do you, how are we going to hit those numbers? When we understand those things, we can start to think about what does our CRM need to do today? And what's it going to need to do tomorrow? Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, you can't future proof it. You can't just so quickly, you know, um, we had no idea, even 
seven or eight years ago, I don't know, my friend from Nimble would say that isn't true, which is another great CRM, that we would know <laughs> how important social media was going to be in our selling process, right? But he right. because he built yeah. Nimble all around social media and social media interactions. But hmm. as, a, as an owner of a business, I may not have that clarity to yeah. know. So, so yeah, you do your best and then you predict, you, you plan to be nimble. You plan to, to, to review and revise it's the sales process is never done. The CRM mm-hmm. is never done The none of those things are ever finished because you, as you're, you evolve, those have to grow and evolve with you. You're going to outgrow right. your CRM unless it's Salesforce. But I guarantee you at some point you're going to restructure the way you use Salesforce. Totally. Right. Totally. And, and that's the thing. I mean, the sales, like, great. How many versions of the database did we go through over the, like, you know, 14 years of us working together? I yeah. mean, we went through, we went through a number like, of them and, and it is because our company was evolving, you know, we were, yeah, we were exactly. growing and we had some yeah. different needs of the database over the years. So luckily, yeah. you, you know, you were really good at FileMaker and you could kind of grow the database with our needs of, of the company. So that was very fortunate that you had such good knowledge of the of the CRM. Well, it was cool that it was growing as well and expanding and like changing into these different things. Wow, they're really going to buy it out in this. Um, but <laughs> it's really cool that they were they were growing so much and doing so many different things. And you know, like the ability to tie into different APIs and stuff like that was really cool for that. Um, oh, hang on, just a second though. Yeah. So here's one thing that you can do: keep the data clean. Right. Exactly. Set yeah. your rule. Yeah. How do we put in, what's the protocol around naming an opportunity? What's the protocol about a company name? Do we use what's on their website? Do we use what's in LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Do we, you know, do we add ink and LLC or don't we? What is the protocol? Do we use initials or do we always type out the whole name and then have another field for, for our nickname? Like these yeah. protocols, is the title in there? Do we update the information? when people leave and, or do we just leave that hanging out there in the net, you know, lost in, right? you know, yeah. not my job, yeah. somebody else will delete it. He, the cleaner the data is, the easier it is to take that data and do something else with that. And I know you mm-hmm. deal with that all the time, right? Oh yeah. Like migrating, you know, data or sending data to these APIs. Like we, you know, we, uh, I hate to get in. I know I've got to go to Great. Greg's like strangling me here, but the addresses, right? Like the address, like you're saying, you know, it's Ave versus Avenue. Like, what are you putting That's in? Protocol. And then, you know, like, how do you, you know, make that? So you have these standards around it so that all of them are the same. So that when so you don't you're have sending duplicate records, guys, <laughs> yeah, you don't have duplicate records and you're not paying more later for having somebody to clean right. out the data or, you know, using some sort of service to, um, uh, to, to get in there to there like clean the data, you know, exist for that purpose because data it, is exactly, so dirty, right? exactly. Okay. Now it's like the Oscars, the music started playing. So I, I really do need to take a break here. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about this. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the best business network over there on ElectroCast. Head over to ElectroCast.com. There's plenty of podcasts for you to enjoy. I don't know. 
60, 70, 80 different podcasts now as a part of this yeah, network. I think we're it's over fantastic. That, yeah. And uh, there's the best business network within that. And we've got a lot of great business podcasts uh, to just uh, really talk about whatever you need in business. You're going to you're gonna hear that over there on the best business network. So uh, be sure to uh, go check that out. Right here today, we're talking about sales. We're talking about sales process. I got all excited about CRMs and data. And I'm going to try to pull that back a little bit because really – a lot of this is about really just the sales process itself, right? So we should probably talk about that. I should like pull myself back here and, and <laughs> let's talk about that, right? So Liz, when you're meeting with a new client and you're kind of understanding what their strategies are, what their goals are, how do you take that information and build it into a formal sales process for them? So I actually have a process for building a sales process. Oh, I love that. I love that. Processes have processes. I love it. Yeah. So, so here's the, there's a couple of things that are really important about building out your sales process. The, the first is that you need to identify what the stages are. And I want to talk about stages in just a second, but first is you've got to figure out these are the stages of my sales process. And you might say, Hey, you know, when we're selling this, the stages are a little different than when we're selling something else. Sometimes it's it's different. I'm selling to schools. It's really different than selling to businesses. We have a totally different, you know, so you might want to think about that. But the first thing is to say, look, this is the sales process. These are the steps we go through. And then the next thing is to say, what are the rules to move it from stage to stage? If I have these stages, we have to have rules that we all agree upon. And mm -hmm. the next thing is to say, what happens in these stages? During this stage, what activities are we doing? What questions do we need to have answered? So that's the next thing. First is activities. Then what questions we need to have answered. And then the last piece I like to, to create is the sort of what does the salesperson need to do this? Is there content? Are there tools, a CRM? Are there signing documents? Are there, you know, what are all of the things they need in all these different stages to do this? Which takes us back to this marketing question. I'm going to throw them in there again, because when you map that out, marketing goes, oh, we can create those, <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> them. Yeah. So, um, so that's the first thing is being really clear about what that process is. Now I can map that in the CRM because I understand all those pieces and I can have check boxes and I can have momentum and I can, I can do different things. I can have the answers to certain questions required. And so that that's the beginning before I can set up a CRM, I have to really understand what the sales process is. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to ask me anything about that, but I want to talk about stages in a second because that's really where things get crazy. Oh, no, I like that. Let's let's get right into it. So here's the thing that I'm finding. And and it's um, so I grew up in in the world of, of stages are, you know, prospect, qualify, cult, you know, whatever, cultivate, close. Right. Those are uh -huh. the stages in the Miller Hyman vernacular. We used to talk about above the funnel, in the funnel, right? Right, all funnels. Right, okay. So what was it really interesting about that early model was that it was not based on activities. It was based on the way we sell, which should be based on how buyers buy. So when we, what has happened recently is everybody's moved to this activity-based sales process. I don't know who thought of it, if we could get in a boxing ring together, I would probably do a knockout because I 
I'm so frustrated. Oh, no. And and here's what happens. If I think about the buying process, my buying process is not meeting, demo, proposal, proposal with client. That's not my buying process. I could ask you for a proposal anywhere along my buyer journey. Right. Proposal, because you put a proposal in my hand, does not mean I'm ready to close. It might mean I'm at the very beginning of my exploratory process and comparing all these different things and trying to understand. So when you have um, activity-based stages, guess where all of the leads end up? Proposal with client. Now, funnel look like a funnel? No, it looks like a vase with a big ball on the bottom, right? Where everything's stuck. (laughs) Right. And, and you're going to get different prospects to that bottom of the vase in different ways and in different times, depending on where their stage of their business is, or I'm, I'm assuming it's a B2B sale, but if it's a B2C, where are they at in their purchasing decision? So it is interesting because you really have to figure out when you're moving a prospect to the next stage and how do you move them to the next stage. And having the right metrics measured helps you understand what you're shooting for in each stage of the sales process. And, you know, I think that's what the whole strategy is. Like once you understand what the strategy is, then it makes total sense how you're going to move a prospect along. But if I do it, if I move it through what I think are my sales stages, the steps that I measure, the activities that I measure, how do I move them back up the funnel? Right. How do I move them back up? Oh, wait a minute. Everything changed. I need to move those all the way back up to qualify again. But I already sent a proposal. So how do I how do I function in this? So this is this is my new pet peeve because mm. I keep every CRM that I get into looks the same. And when I really dig in there, they're like, oh, yeah, we give a proposal at this point or this point or this point. Well, that that means you're you're, you have no idea. You're not measuring the buying process or the sales process. And you have no mm-hmm. idea how long it really takes for things to close because you haven't haven't mapped it out properly. And everybody's expecting all this stuff at the bottom of the funnel to close and it's not going to, it's not ready to close. So that's, that's my, so how do you do your stages? So how do you pick the words that you use for your stage? Do you, do you qualify and then develop a solution and then revise the solution and then work on negotiating and close. Like what is your, how do you work with the clients? What is their buying process? Where did they Mm -hmm. enter this, their, uh, along their buyer journey, where did they enter your sales process? Right. All of these things matter. And so we have to be really thoughtful about the stages, what the rules are around them, how we move things. So we don't end up with everything in the wrong place. Yeah. And when you're doing that, they're in the wrong place. And I've seen this. People are giving not just the proposals at the wrong time, but they're giving the wrong proposal. They're proposing the wrong things because they didn't go through the full process to get to the point of where they actually like know what the client needs, (laughs) you know, like they don't know what to uh, offer them at that point because it's the wrong time. Well, they're also offering it to the wrong person. So somebody has been sent out to get a bunch of proposals, which has nothing to do with all of the other people who are in the buying process that are going to decide. So they think once they hand that person 
the proposal that they asked for that a buying decision is going to happen. But mm-hmm. it isn't until that proposal gets into all of these other hands that the discussion even begins. We haven't begun right. the, you know, we've begun the solving, but we're still in the midst of solving and resolving and all of that, handling objections, all of those things that happen. But we think because we handed this person who asked for a proposal that we're done. So again, you have to know what their buying process is to know where they are in your selling process. Yeah. And sometimes you're selling something that's not right for the client. And even though they buy it, you're setting yourself up for failure down the road. You know, whoever's having to Mm -hmm. service that, whether it's another department or yourself, you're setting yourself up for disaster because they're not buying the right product or they didn't understand that there was another option that was a better fit for them. This goes into ethics, right? So as a company, can we stand in the position where we can say, look, walk away from bad business. If it's not a good fit, direct them to what is a good fit. And let's sell the customers that we are that are going to be most profitable. They're going to be happiest. They're going to be repeat business. They're going to give us referrals. But we are so busy. This is okay. Another pet peeve. Sorry. The, <laughs> now you're getting fired. We're all fired up tonight. I love this. So we, as company leaders, are always focused on what's closing, what's closing, what's closing, what's closing. Stop. Mm-hmm. Slow down. Back up. What's in the funnel? What's the momentum of the funnel? How are things moving through? What progress are we making? If I'm always focused on what's closing now, we're putting pressure on everyone in the organization to close bad business. So let's get the right business in the top of the funnel and moving through the funnel. Let's qualify out the stuff we don't need that isn't good business and focus on the stuff that we want to close. So that's, you know, this is a big problem. Yeah. So, okay. One of the questions that I've, I've, um, now, now Greg, we do so many podcasts. I don't know if I asked this on the pickleball podcast or the learning more podcast or this podcast, but I love this question. Uh, what can somebody do today? Like what, like if they're listening to the show, they are now like they're fired up as well. They want to go make some, some, some move today to, to take at least a step in a positive direction of creating you know, this system, what's, what can they do? So the first thing is sit down with your salespeople and say, what's working and what is it? What is working about the CRM and what is not working about the CRM? And then look at what you are doing and decide, do you have the right reports to make decisions? Mm-hmm. Right. The, the second thing is to say, what is our sales process? What does the buyer journey map it? The buyer does this and then they do this and they may interface with us here or here or here along their journey. So then what should our sales process look like? How should we map our sales process and make your CRM match it? Those are the simple, not easy, simple things <laughs> that you can do. And, and I encourage you to ask for help, right? If you know somebody who's done this before, who knows how to do it, you know a consultant who does this stuff, Take the time and get some help. Talk it through. Figure it out. Um, if you didn't, mm-hmm. if it wasn't right the first time, so what? You, you know, go ask somebody yeah. to help. It's okay. You know, I have a feeling that if they contacted Liz Hyman, there's a person that could help them with their with their organization <laughs> exactly. and their processes and their CRM and just putting all of this together and have it make sense for them. So Liz, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to reach out? 
I think the easiest way is there's two ways. One is you could go to regardingsales.com, which is my web my website, and you can sign up for a meeting with me. Or you can text, uh, send me a message on LinkedIn. Tell me how you found me and what you want to ask for. And I'm happy to connect and help you. And, and here's the thing you should know. If you want to spend a half an hour with me and just sort of say, here's what's not working. Could you tell me what to do? I'm a sucker. I'll do it. Call me. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know I'm happy to help for a little bit. If there's an opportunity to work together, great. But but don't hesitate to ask for help. And if, if I'm the one you want to ask, then pick, then set it up and ask me. That's awesome. I, I, I love that. And uh, I have some people that I, I know that I may send your way because they'll take you up on that. And I'm, I'm sure they'll... Uh, They'll turn into some clients uh, for you, at least hopefully. <laughs> that would be great. That would be awesome. Well, thank you, Liz, so much. You, you, I, I got to tell you, if you're going to do this half an hour call with her, you could see how much fun it's going to be. Like, Greg, come yes. on. We had I a little so much fun this episode. So <laughs> it's, it's the fastest show we've ever done because it was so much fun talking to Liz and, and learning from her. I mean, that's the thing. You know, both of us are really into this sales and the processes, but I learned tonight. So thank you so much for joining us, Liz. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, I, I, as did I. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing to DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. Look at that. I'm jumping ahead of myself here still. <laughs> hey, the subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow, but all of the information provided is opinion-based, and you might want to consult a professional like Liz there to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I... Well, you know what? We love doing the show. We also love hearing from you and we would love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. Yes, just go to our website, diyforbusinesspodcast.com. The link is in the podcast description. Head over there. You can also check out all of our past episodes. And as a reminder, you can also, you know, like review us on whatever app you're uh, listening on right now. I'm just saying that again, you know? Hey, we thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to DIY for Business where you are not alone. Welcome to Abracadabra, Create What You Speak, the podcast that combines spirituality with creativity. Here, guests from around the world share their stories and insights on navigating life's challenges through art, music, and creative expression. Connect to yourself, others, and the world through empowering conversations viewed through a spiritual lens. I'm Ilana Zulai, your host, a spiritual mentor, and a sound therapist. Electric acid. Hello, I'm Polly Campbell, the host of Polly Campbell Simply Said, the weekly podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And let me tell you what, we tap into the great minds of authors, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and so much more so that we can learn how to do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. Join us right here on Polly Campbell Simply Said on the best business network of Electricast. Electric acid. Electric acid.